Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. I am Millie Murillo. I am here with my co-host, Ashley Torrent. And today, we're here to talk to you about the type of healing that can come from a psychic and or astrological reading. When you said seamless, so it's interesting to me because the intuitive part, when you're reading someone intuitively or psychically, what it really means is I'm connecting my soul energy to that person's soul mm-hmm. energy. This isn't even coming from Ashley. This is coming from Ashley's soul. Yes. And the soul will tell me, like the cycles in astrology, the soul tells me what cycle of healing they're in. Oh my God. And it will also show me what needs to be healed for them to move through that cycle or heal that cycle or stop having that cycle of lessons unlearned. It won't tell you how to do it, but it'll say, you know, your relationship with your father needs to be addressed. When we take it further, astrology is also the tool that helps the evolution of consciousness. And that is the extra step that we need to take. So as some of you may know, I am an astrologer and mindfulness coach. And Ashley, I will let her tell you what she does. I'm a psycho-spiritual counselor and intuitive medium. So I also do readings, intuitive readings, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah, so we wanted to touch on this because the whole purpose of this episode of this podcast really is to ground spirituality, spiritual practices, and to definitely ground the topics that are still in 2022 somewhat taboo. And what I mean by taboo is not that they are like, you know, hidden behind this curtain. You see this spirituality, astrology, tarot, numerology, you see it everywhere. You see it on social media. It's something that has become very popular. But in the larger spectrum, these are practices that are still not fully accepted as modes of healing and modes of, or practices that can help us gain a greater understanding of ourselves. So that's what we're here to talk about today. So we're going to be doing a little bit of interviewing of one another, but we're going to clarify some things. We're going to clarify, hopefully, a lot of the doubts that people may have about what Ashley and I do. I still have to remind myself that these topics are taboo because they've always (laughs) just felt a part of who I am. And people always ask me, when did you come out, in quotes, as a medium? (laughs) As if it's something that I had to really think about how I was going to present myself out there, worried about what people thought. And I just never cared. (laughs) So I have to remind myself that it's a weird thing. Right, right. Or it can feel like a weird thing if it's not understood. Exactly, exactly. I, I totally feel you on that. It's for me, it's something that has been such a part of my life Mm -hmm. that I forget. I too forget, oh, this is still like a thing, especially when people ask me, so what do you do for a living? It's like, oh, I'm an astrologer. And it's like, you know, you get either this puzzled look or a look of disdain, or there are those that are genuinely interested and begin to ask all kinds of questions, which is always exciting, but it is what it is. That's what I do. You know, the first time I had an astrology reading, my therapist is an astrologer as well. And I remember it just validated so much of who I am. 
normalize so much of my qualities and characteristics. And right before this call, you were telling me about all the mercury in my chart, which means there's a lot of air, or you can explain that. But I was saying that I always feel like I have a ton of energy running through me and adrenaline and things are moving so fast inside me. And you told me what, you can explain it better than I can. Right, right. So Ashley has um, a sun in Gemini, moon in Virgo, and rising Libra. So off the bat, we know that both uh, Gemini and Libra energies are air energies. So they tend to be energies that don't always feel grounded. If you notice, air is something that we can't grasp. It is um, intangible in a way, right? But it's important to look at the moon because the moon represents emotional processing and the original quality of the moon is that of water energy. And that energy wants to go profound. It wants to go deep. It wants to go beneath the surface and understand our inner workings. It's energy that represents a lot of our subconscious behavior. And so when we put a sign like Virgo on energy like the moon, and Virgo is also ruled by Mercury, this is interesting energy because Virgo is an earth sign. So it prefers something tangible. With Mercury there, it prefers for those tangible things to be explained. We need an explanation. We need to understand. We need to know the steps ahead of time. And we need to have something tangible. And the moon doesn't always understand tangible. The moon likes to process and is emotional. And so when we have that dynamic of energy, and then the sun is also in Gemini, which is also ruled by Mercury, it's like a constant flow of information. And and not just, you know, information like data information, not just information that Ashley gets from other people and herself, but it's also energetic information that she is constantly connected to and feels. And so that can arise a lot within her. How does, how does that sound? <laughs> well, it just makes so much sense when you talk, especially about all the air energy, because I feel like most days I could float away. <laughs> so it's so wonderful to do this podcast with you because you have earth energy and grounding. So I feel like the balloon... <laughs> And you're like the tree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I find that a lot of times, well, well, here's what I'll say. I feel that we're born with the charts that we're meant to be born with and that there are gifts in there, that we have Mm -hmm. attributes to us that our gifts and that those gifts are meant to be used in this lifetime to help one another, to help the collective, right? But when we don't understand those gifts or when we don't understand certain attributes about ourselves, we go and call them an array of things, right? We call, go and call them anxiety, uh, morbidity, uh, just all kinds of things. When essentially, if they are such a natural part of us, it's who we're meant to be. It's, it's simply by expressing who we are, we teach others that there are other ways of being as well. And if that is the one thing that we teach others simply by being ourselves, if others are open to a different way of being, then that is point enough in itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that, yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay. I hope yeah. I didn't lose yeah. you. 
No, it's very helpful. And I agree with you. That's what I love about astrology is it does normalize and help us understand who we are and why we are the way we are and to appreciate those things as we were talking about before we got on Mm -hmm. to appreciate the energy inside me and the excitement and the air for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'm curious, what got you into astrology in the first place? Because I've thought about studying it and I've just never found my way to it and I wish I had. And I'm curious how you found your way. Yeah, so I could say that astrology started for me about eight years ago when I actually started studying it in a in a structured way but the fact of the matter is that esoteric practices have been a part of my life forever so my mother's uncle was a shaman in Guatemala and he was a healer and he used the earth and plants and communicated with spirit you know, the essence of the divine in the way that we do. And that was just a way of being for him. So my mother was very close to him and he taught her a lot of things. Now that teaching was cut short when my mom had to leave Guatemala to come to the States, but with her, she brought plenty of knowledge. Now, I think that my mom is also naturally incredibly intuitive. I think she has a lot of, uh, a lot of witchy qualities And so for us growing up, you know, we didn't really go to church. We didn't grow up in a religious household. We grew up believing in God, but it's almost like God and love were interchangeable. This understanding, yes, there's something greater. And that greater, that something greater is forgiving and loving. And so it was much more than connecting with with a God, with a deity, if you will it was much more about connecting with the essence of that. And so we had altars throughout my entire childhood. There were new moon altars and full moon altars and, you know, potions that were, that were done and, and certain, just certain esoteric practices that were a part of my life. I mean, especially my brother and I, we were receiving energetic cleansings once a year. Wow. Yeah. Also from shamans and and different uh, different healers. That was just a part of my life. It was just normal. And wow, I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh-huh. Go, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just an on appreciation that you were raised. I guess more with an appreciation for the elements and for the sun, the moon, the stars, for a more loving way of being that you're, you're you're right your mother was a witch I'm just jealous because you don't hear this very often I wish I was raised by a witch well I was but that's another story <laughs> yeah yeah a different this different kind of witch different kind of witch yeah that was that was just a part of it and you know like a good witch uh especially back then it was like you know you keep this private you don't talk about it you don't, you don't say what we do here. And to me, especially as a kid, it was like, well, why not? Like somewhere in my mind, this made total sense. And it wasn't until I started getting older that I realized, oh, okay. So people don't do this. And actually a lot of people don't agree with it. And they think that it's evil. Wow. And it wasn't until I started getting older that I started to realize the resistance to it. It was, it's always been a part of me somewhere in me. I've always known that the universe speaks to us. I've always known that 
the universe gives us signs and and I think that it just took me some time to finally find my way of expressing my inner witch, if you will. And astrology happened to be that. And I think that the reason that I just fell in love with it and it just made sense, it was because I think it appeased a lot of my human sensibilities. Like there were books and symbols and cycles and rules and things that I could follow that just made more sense. If anything, I feel it's more scientific than not. And so that was what really attracted me to it. And that's how I got started. And I just remember that when I started studying with, with my very first teacher and mentor, who was also a therapist, it was like, when it clicked, it was like, I was seeing like, you know how in the matrix, you see all of the, the symbols, that's how it felt. And I felt like everything made sense. And then that's when I just became obsessed. That's so beautiful. And it's so brave to follow that passion and really listen to your heart and your calling in spite of it being taboo and so misunderstood and people thinking it evil. I just find it incredibly brave to, to just live out loud and do it for a living. I, I love it. I love it. So I also know because you mentioned astrology being a science, I find it can be intimidating, mm -hmm. but you seem to break it down to make it accessible. Like I've learned more from you in our conversations that I've actually been able to incorporate in my own work when I'm working with clients, just learn so much from you. So how do you break it down to make it accessible and less intimidating? Well, I think that that was something that I made an intention to make clear from the very beginning, from when I started learning astrology, because I realized oh my God, this is really powerful. And the thing is, is that it became such a tool for my own healing journey and my spiritual growth that I thought, well, the reason that people don't see it for, for what it actually is, is because it's only explained as horoscopes. Yeah. You know, it's only explained in 30 words and that's all it's supposed to be. So when I started, started studying astrology, it was like I also started studying the interpretation of the symbols, of the archetypes, of the terms. It was like something that started happening simultaneously. So if there is an aspect of a square, for instance, with an, which in astrological terms means that two planetary bodies are meeting at a 90 degree angle, there's no way that I'm just going to say in a reading, your moon is squaring your Pluto, and that's a really bad thing. You know, <laughs> what the hell does that even mean? The moon, your emotional processing, and the shadow part of you, they're at attention. But tension is a catalyst for action. So how does that manifest for you? It's very different. And all of a sudden, these things begin to feel real to people. And as astrologers, that is our responsibility to not just interpret, but essentially to translate mm. and to make these, these really big topics digestible to the person who is coming to us because they are in search of an answer. But we have to meet people where they are. I love this because I think it's easy for someone who knows so much about a topic mm -hmm. to step into the authority of that topic, but to the point of not meeting the person where they are, you know, but to talk at the person about astrology rather than have a conversation that's tangible and accessible and that they'll walk away really understanding themselves. And I think that's so important. Right. 
I mean, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. At its essence, astrology is a symbolic system that explains our internal dynamics. That is what it is. It is the system of symbols that we essentially memorize. We know its meanings. We know its archetypes. We know how they work. And that's going to help explain the internal dynamics of a person. Mm -hmm. But when we take it further, astrology is also the tool that helps the evolution of consciousness. And that is the extra step that we need to take. Mm -hmm. That's why it isn't enough for astrologers to learn the basic meaning of these things and just give readings. This is why you have so many therapists that are also astrologers, because they are able to combine both things. This is why you have astrologers that are certified coaches, because they are able to combine both modalities that then just expand on the interpretation of these archetypes and these symbols. Right. That makes so much sense. And I, mm-hmm. I guess I'm wondering, how does what you see in a person's chart affect how you present their chart to them? So you, I know you break it down and make it digestible, but what is it about their chart? that tells you how to communicate with them. Right, right. I think that's a really good question. And I think that when we're looking at how to communicate with someone, we generally look at uh, the planet of Mercury. Again, Mercury is the planet of communication. How we perceive the world, therefore, it's how we perceive ourselves. And so when I look at someone's Mercury and the aspects it's making to other planets and the sign that it's in, I kind of get gauge an idea of how to communicate with them. If their Mercury is in an earth sign, which is Taurus, Virgo, or Capricorn, I'm probably going to have to be much more direct, much more cut and dry. But if their Mercury is in a water sign, I'm probably going to have to speak in metaphors and colors and, you know, in images and, and try to really understand the inner workings of this person. And so you gauge You gauge just by looking at the chart how to communicate what you need to communicate to the person. And usually, as an astrologer, you understand it. The person receives it really well. So I've had a couple of different readings, a couple from you and a couple from my therapist, Julie. And I had a reading from someone else. And the difference between the readings, between this other person and the two you do, I could tell there was something happening intuitively Mm -hmm. because the man who read me, I just felt like it was a guessing game. Actually, yes. And so I'm curious. I just saw and felt something so different from the two of you. Are you using your intuition in a reading? And how does that show up or how do you work with it? Yeah, so... I didn't realize that I was using my intuition for a really long time. I just assumed that I had studied really hard, I had practiced a lot, and that I was just able to, while interpreting these symbols, simultaneously translating these things and, you know, these readings into language that people received and understood. It wasn't until I started noticing that there were things that I were ex- that I was expressing to the sitter that after the reading, I would think to myself, where did that come from? Like, where did that insight come from? And it's not like I was guessing. It was the words were coming clear to me and people were like, yeah, like you're able to see that. And it wasn't, that had to happen in enough times for me to realize something's happening here. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. So I reached out to 
to an astrologer friend of mine who is also an intuitive astrologer. She and I have known each other for several years and she's seen my chart and she's like, you are an intuitive astrologer. I've always known that about you. But I think that I always shied away from, from being that. I, th I don't know, because I guess the word has been overused and I don't know. I, there was there was an internal resistance to that. And, and I think that in my quest, if you will, to make astrology something that is taken seriously, I didn't want to associate it with something like that. And it wasn't until I realized, oh, this is just as valid as all of this data, knowledge, and facts that I have in my head. And when I marry the two together, I'm actually fulfilling the greater purpose of this. So I remember that when that happened, that when I really started noticing that, that's when I really started thinking, I need someone to help me with this. And which is when I put it out to the universe to help me find a teacher who could help me develop this. And that's when I found you. And I think I called you the first time I met you. I was like, you're an intuitive astrologer. Yeah. And I think I noticed some hesitation in you and I'm just now hearing why. I've, I've always meant to ask you. Mm -hmm. And I agree, intuition is an overused word. We could also say psychic, but people cringe at that. But right. psychic intuition, it's the language of the universe. That's how animals communicate. It's how all beings communicate on from a heart. It's a soul communication. Right. So I would love it if this podcast could do anything other than make taboo and make astrology and intuitive readings less taboo. Maybe we could honor these words for what they truly are and not be so afraid of them. Which I think, I love that you've married them and accepted it and come to understand. But I also appreciate that you didn't just grab it and say, yeah, that sounds great. You took your time with it and let it and waited till it felt right. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the, I feel like we have to have a reverence to these practices. Mm -hmm. This is not something that we created, right? We are fortunate enough to be the students of so many people that came before us, so many people that have made literature available to us that we could just go on Amazon <laughs> and actually find a decent book that has so much knowledge for us to follow. It's so true. When we can look at it from that perspective, it's humbling. It's humbling to be able to understand something as complex as astrology, because it is, it's very complex. It's I feel that it's a topic you never stop learning about. But then to also marry it with something that is innate within all of us, whether we call ourselves that or not, then that's just, it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing. So I'm wondering, how have you seen an astrology reading support someone's healing? I imagine you've seen some profound things and some eye-opening moments and some people maybe making different choices based on what they've discovered about themselves. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, one example in particular comes to mind. This person is a, is a Scorpio and I think that the, you know, Scorpio is known to be intense and dark and the way it's described in like popular astrology, it's like, it's the sign that represents sex and all of these things. Well, it does, but not for the reasons that people might think. But when we look at a sign like Scorpio and its ruler or one of its rulers, Pluto, this is not a placement or an energy that is an astrologer. When we look at it, we take lightly. And the reason for that is that anyone 
who's come into this lifetime with heavy Scorpio energy is really here to, here to have a lot and really profound transformative experiences, probably more than people who don't have strong Scorpio placements. So this person in particular had the sun in Scorpio conjunct Pluto in Scorpio. So this is very profound energy that can feel dark, that can feel heavy, and that it has a lot to do with this sense of death and rebirth. At its core, this energy lives on a constant state of needing something or everything to feel like an emotional catharsis, like an ongoing emotional catharsis, right? right. And if the person doesn't understand this energy at a higher level of consciousness, this is when people seek chaos, right? This is when people seek chaotic relationships, a chaotic lifestyle in order to have that constant feeding of, of that, again, emotional catharsis. So this person, we talked for a while and I said, how do you do with the topic of death? And what does that mean to you? She kind of thought like, no one's ever asked me this before. She's like, I'm fascinated by death. I love death. And she's like, I've never said this out loud to anyone. Wow. When we think about the things that we're fascinated by and the things that we love and the things that bring us joy, in her case was death, because she had this, this wisdom of understanding that life and death, they're not that different. She had this understanding that death is just kind of going to the other side. She has this innate wisdom that she has carried from lifetime to lifetime that in this lifetime, her soul said, I'm ready to carry the weight of what death is and revel in, in the beauty of that. That must be so powerful and validating for that person. Absolutely. Because for her growing up, she could never talk about these things. And when she tried, of course... It was shunned. It was like, you don't talk about death. Death is not good. Death is sad. Mm. So imagine a child having these questions, trying to understand, and then everything outside of them telling them that what they want to know about is bad. This person thinks that they are somehow bad and that something is oh, wrong. That's heartbreaking. Right. Well, it turns out that what she wanted to do was be a grief coach. And work with people who were on their deathbed. Oh, and that's such important work. That's such important work. We, we, exactly. we abandon those who are older and dying or ill. We just abandon. Exactly. We don't, we don't honor the end of life. But I'm hoping that's changing. Exactly. That's exactly it. As a whole, we don't honor the end of this mm -hmm. lifetime. We don't hold those who are transitioning. And I get it because that is not everyone's role. We, are, we don't all come into this lifetime with that role, but she did. And she has the capacity to hold so much of that with such grace, with more grace than anyone I can ever think of. Mm -hmm. And this reading helped her really validate that. That's incredible. So what would you say to people who are skeptical, who come to a reading and they're curious, but they still may be resistant? You know, <laughs> I just, when people, there's a difference, right? There's, there's different levels of resistance. There are those that are really just 
they have so much disdain for these types of practices. And I'm just really surprised because especially the people that are on that boat, I mean, who knows, maybe they got a really bad reading one time and and that could have done it, right? But for the most part, the people that have the strongest resistance to it are really the people that have never, ever seen anything beyond a horoscope, you know, on a magazine, never had a reading before, never looked into the fact that we have scholars worldwide who dedicate their lives to collecting information and writing amazing books to really solidify this this subject and to also take the time to connect it to psychology, Mm -hmm. right? I think that as astrologers, we owe a lot to Carl Jung because he was the first um, psychoanalyst to bring astrology and to give it some stance, to give it some grounding. So what do I say to the skeptics? Give it a shot. Mm-hmm. be open and if they're not well i mean then they're not yeah <laughs> you, you can only do so what much to change do? someone's mind right i'm really curious because i think these things come into our life for a reason it's part of our soul plan and so i'm wondering how has this work astrology the study of it the practice changed your life oh tremendously completely uh because like i said when i started studying astrology it was really to understand what was going on with me at the time. I was going through a really, really difficult time in my life where I was, you know, a string of failed relationships. I felt really lost, really disconnected from myself. Uh, The relationship with my mother was really difficult at the time. And there was a lot, there was a lot that was happening. And then to feel validated in so many ways through astrology um, to understand that my healing was going to take time and that I had no other choice but to surrender to the amount of time that it was going to take. Because in astrology, you can see how long a cycle can be. You can see the the potential of something that's coming. And so when you see the potential of what's coming, how do you prepare to receive it in the best way possible, Mm -hmm. right? And so now... I see the world through the eyes of astrology. I'm able to see people through the eyes of astrology. And this is where it helped me the most. To see people through the eyes of astrology is to remember that our souls come here with roles to play. And behind those roles, there is an essence to us. And that essence is spirit. We are all spiritual beings underneath the chart, underneath the identity. Astrology was something that really, it's something that really helped solidify that for me. And it it made me much more accepting of others, particularly those who I, I didn't always have the best relationships with. And it went from, they are awful, they are this, they are that, to, oh, well, if I can see their chart, I can understand. Do they still have free will? Absolutely. But that's up for them to understand on their own. It just gave me this 
it gave me a greater sense of acceptance. Well, I, I find that you have so much compassion. Like before the call, you know, we were talking about that energy buzzing and you were validating it for me. And then you were saying, oh, that's why you needed the note. I can see why getting notes at a certain time would be helpful because of all the air and buzzing. The notes are grounding. And where my need for notes <laughs> could be annoying to someone. <laughs> You saw it as, oh, this makes sense. This is how she grounds herself through some structure. Exactly. And that was so kind. I felt so seen. So one of the things I've noticed is that I really feel like you see people and you see underneath maybe their ego or their human persona, but you see the mechanisms that make them who they are. And that's so compassionate. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I get so weird when people say stuff like that, but... That's okay. Uh, <laughs> You know, even if I don't know their chart, even if I don't know their sign, just the simple foundation of we're all playing a role here. And sometimes we don't know how to handle the role that we've been given. Sometimes we don't have, we don't know how to handle the role that our soul chose to live in this lifetime. That's really hard. Yes. And when we don't understand, when we don't understand why we're not accepted for who we are or why people can't see past our pain, which is not other people's responsibility. But a lot of times we're so, we're aching to feel seen. And when we don't, and then someone does finally see us, there's something about that that just, I don't know, it, it brings back the humanity in someone. Oh, yeah. So, Being seen and understood is so transformative for people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that astrology has helped me do that. It, it really, really has. So I've met women who are very... Um, they carry a lot of masculine energy, right? They're, they're, they can be seen as very aggressive, abrasive, all of these things. But at the end of the day, one, that's just how some people express themselves, right? Mm -hmm. But if, depending on the words that they're using, depending on how they're coming off, there's something underneath that that wants to be said, that wants to be understood. If we can remember that, then I think that we can be much kinder to one another. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, is there anything else that you wanted to let us know about astrology or that was that I haven't asked that's important for you to convey? Yeah, I think that astrology needs to be seen as a tool for evolution, for self-evolution. I think that more importantly, it needs to be looked and seen and respected as the tool that is there for us to evolve and to elevate consciousness. From a soul perspective, from a holistic perspective, from an evolutionary astrology perspective, that is what it's there for. This isn't just about foretelling. This isn't about telling you how much money you're going to make this year, if you're going to find the love of your life, you know, if you're going to get the, the career. Can we tell those things? Yeah, there's a potential for that. But even if I tell you that you're having a significant transit in your sector of relationship and you have a negative mindset towards dating and you really feel unfulfilled with it and you're not evolving and growing and getting to know yourself, then it doesn't matter what I say no. because the transit will be the transit and it can pass and you can either one, not meet anyone because you are not in alignment with who you want to meet or two, you can meet someone and it can be a rough experience. Right. It's not about foretelling. If anything, astrology really gives us our power back. It really gives us the power of free will back. Mm. Because what it's able to do and what it's meant to do more than anything is to give us the level of consciousness to receive a particular energy in a certain way. 
not to change the circumstances, but to change the approach that we have towards it. Mm -hmm. And so to go from just seeing it as a horoscope, as a means of foretelling, you know, to actually using it as a tool. I like to remind anyone who works with me, astrology is visceral, but we have to be present for it. We have to be curious about it. A lot of times we wait for people to tell us how to feel, how to experience something. When at the end of the day, we are our own best oracles. But if we have a tool to help us evolve that, to help us grow that, then then we can see how powerful we really are. Absolutely. I, I love what you said about free will, because I think we were talking about this the other day that people forget, and it's so cliche, but the journey is what we're here for. We're not here for the end result. And we don't even appreciate the end result, if we're honest. Right. We say we do, but we blow past it. And we're like, <laughs> I think humans appreciate suffering. You know, when joy comes, we're like, oh, that's great. But <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. Mm -hmm. We get suffering more attention. But the point being is that we have free will to choose. And part of why we're here is to evolve. And so when something is there in your chart, it's for you to work and heal and evolve to the place to get to that point or to receive that at the end, not to just jump from A to Z. And that's just not why we're here. It's not for no, quick results. No. Astrology works in cycles and the length of every cycle has a purpose. Therefore, every single step of that cycle matters. And that's what we miss. Mm. And I can understand. I'm not above it. Astrology was the one thing that helped me realize every single step of my journey matters. So right. I need to stop and try, <laughs> I need to stop trying to avoid all of this, all of the middle stuff, because that's the stuff that matters. Right. You were just saying, we were saying we're both in mm -hmm. a specific transit mm -hmm. and there's a lot going on very quickly. And mm -hmm. although we have different charts and we're different people, we're in a similar transit and I've just been feeling like I can't catch my breath, but understanding that this is part of the transit is helping me just allow the energy to move through me, accept, be present with, with it and try to enjoy some parts of it and know some parts are very challenging. And it's just like the ebb and flow of anxiety and then joy and calm, right. <laughs> anxiety and joy and calm. Absolutely. And that's when we get to decide, okay, what don't I feel like doing today? I, I don't feel like doing that today. Or I really need help with this. I really need to hire someone for this. I really need to delegate this, you know? It, this is where we get mm -hmm. to decide. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. So I want to go into the same with you. So let's start with what got you into your work, into doing it in this way. How did you come to realize that you have these gifts? Did you recognize them as a kid? How did this come for you? Well, unlike you, I did grow up in a very religious household. Uh, we were Christian fundamentalists. I actually went to a private school that taught us creationism. Although I found most of the people in my family very hypocritical, we were supposed to you know, accept Jesus into our heart and live by a code of rules. And I was taught that if someone didn't accept Jesus into their heart, then they were going to go to hell. So I was very afraid, lived with this idea of this God from the Old Testament, from the Bible, that was very fear-based. So a lot of my belief system was fear-based. And in my teens, you know, when we went through a bunch of family drama, I just realized I don't believe this anymore. I can't, I can't believe in that there's the thing that rules all is scary and fear-based. So that's one thing that 
I just was so jealous of your talk about like energy cleansing and elements and altars and all the things that I've, I've learned in my 30s and 40s to appreciate and to practice. But it does feel like it's a remembering from a past life for sure. As far as the intuition goes, I mean, like many people, I grew up in a pretty, I grew up in an environment that required me to pay attention at all times with my body, with my, all my senses, like what kind of mood was my mother in? My mother's um, very mentally ill, very dangerous person. And it's the kind of environment where you had to be on all the time. So what people would call intuitive or psychic is just how I lived. It was my superpower. It protected me. When I went to school, when I went to Helix for my training program for the psycho-spiritual counseling, I remember they started using the word intuitive. I don't think I'd heard it. I don't think it was used in my circles for sure. I went to this alternative program in New York City, and we were studying psychology and spirituality. So it was Western clinical psychology and Eastern spiritual practice. And part of that curriculum was Jungian psychology, hypnosis, energy healing, intuitive energy healing. And I remember us doing work on each other, and I just knew things about the people I was working with. But I just thought, everyone does. And then at some point, I realized, no, not everyone. I think everyone has the ability, but not everyone is paying attention like I was. There's very little that would get past me when it came to people. Like, you know, someone walks up to me, and I describe intuition for me as, I'm watching maybe a TV program and there's a news feed going across the bottom and intuition is the news feed and the program is what the person's telling me, but the intuition is telling me who they really are. And oh, wow. within 30 seconds, I can get a pretty good read on people. I used to think sometimes when I didn't like somebody, I would think, oh, I'm being mean or judgmental and then I wouldn't listen. And then maybe six months later, I maybe became friends with that person and I was like, oh, why didn't I listen? And so now I've learned to trust. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> As far as mediumship goes, that's pretty interesting. Maybe 10, 12 years ago, I was um, giving Reiki to a friend of mine and um, two people who had passed came through. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. I just remember seeing them like they were in the room. And when I say see them, I don't mean with my eyes, but I saw them in my mind's eye. But I could describe them so clearly. And I, so I just said, there's this person here. I described them. She knew exactly who they were. And then I just forgot about it. Never happened again. But my husband and I would be places and we would see spirits. You know, we would say, did you see that woman, you know, like at his mom's house and stuff like that. But we would just kind of laugh about it. We didn't think too much of it. And then, um, you know, I had kids and stuff. And then when I moved to Charleston, I had a friend here who was fascinated by mediums. She would watch John Edwards. She would read every book. And after she was done with the book, she would throw them my way and I would just give them away. I wouldn't even read them. I was like, I, I don't even know what mediumship is. I'm not like John Edwards. I can't talk to dead people. I have no idea. And then she handed me a book called The Light Between Us by Laura Lynn Jackson. A beautiful book. I highly recommend it. And her description of the other side of what happens when we die was that we lose our human body and we become our soul energy. And it's a place of love. She talked about healing that can come from loved ones who come through, who explain how they passed or why they passed so suddenly, or things they wanted to make amends, and, and that they were all around us, and there were signs that they were all around us. And I just thought, this makes sense to me. And like you talked about just learning everything you could about astrology once you got started. That's how I was with mediumship. I took an internship. I took a class. I took another mentorship. And it just came really naturally to me. And since then, I just haven't, it's such a beautiful practice. I haven't gone back. You know, you have, you have such a gift. Like when I see you work, 
it's so seamless. And, and I, I work with you in the, in the capacity of a student, really, uh, to, to hone in on my intuition and just the way that you give readings. You use every part of the body, like the senses, all of the senses. Yeah. How did you fine-tune all of that? How did you come to learn that that was also a means of communicating these things? When I, when I was studying mediumship and psychic ability, they were talking about, you know, opening your clairs, like clairaudience, clairsentience, clairvoyance, clairvoyance, the ability to see, clairaudience, the ability to hear, clairsentience, the ability to feel, like intuitive impressions. They, they all come through these different ways, through these different portals. Mm -hmm. And at some point, again, like when I first heard about psychic readings, I was like, oh, I can never do that. And I was like, I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> At some point, I just realized it's part of how I work as a therapist. I can't deny that my intuition is always part of the therapy session. I think it helps me narrow down into specific things that can be worked when the client's ready. But whenever I feel stuck, I always ask for guidance, but it is very physical. I feel like it's coming through my body. I feel like I'm hearing it. And when I do a reading, I'm seeing, hearing it, feeling it. Sometimes I taste it. Sometimes I smell, you know, the intuitive evidence or loved ones from the other side. Yeah, it just, and the thing when you said seamless, so it's interesting to me because the intuitive part, so when you're reading someone intuitively or psychically, what it really means is I'm connecting my soul energy to that person's soul energy, to the sitter. Mm -hmm. And once I set the intention to connect in and I've been given permission to connect in, information just starts flowing. Mm -hmm. It just starts flowing. So I was doing this with my clients all along. But when I started studying mediumship, which is the connection to the other side, to loved ones who have passed, it was a completely different connection. You know, when you're sitting with someone, you can ground into that person. You see them, they're visceral. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm reaching my soul energy to hope it connects to a soul of another person on the other side. Although it came easily to me, it was hard first to trust and develop that practice because you're just reaching out into nothing, right. you know, and hoping that they're there. Right. And I had to trust that someone would be there. So there was this practice that came to me of, well, first of all, I would get so nervous and anxious before the readings. And then finally, I just said, if this is going to be stressful, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so I stopped worrying before the reading, right? I was just like, I'm not. Right. And then, and then I would just sit down to the readings and I had to completely surrender. And so this practice was letting go over and over and over again and trusting. And my husband laughs at me. Like, I'll be down making coffee or something. He's like, what's your afternoon like? And I'm like, I've got three readings and they start in 10 minutes. And he's like, but you're as cool as a cucumber. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I, I, I don't even think about it. I don't do any prep work right. because there's nothing I can do to prepare except sit in the energy of the person or the spirit world. Right. Does that answer your question? Oh my God. Yeah. And, and isn't it interesting how the, the trusting takes practice? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think that the trusting takes, I think that the practice is the practice of surrender. Yes. You cannot fully trust until you fully surrender. Right. And that is such a journey in itself. Yeah. How would you describe that journey within you? Like the process of surrendering? <laughs> um, well, I am someone that makes everything really hard. So everything <laughs> I try, it takes me about a year 
to make it really hard. And then at some point okay. I'm like, oh, now I get it, <laughs> which is really annoying. Oh so God. I usually go at it from the, I'm going to try, try, try way. But the beautiful thing about mediumship, you have to practice. You have to practice that connection. So when you're reaching into spirit world, imagine that my vibration, and I know that word is overused, but it's true when it comes to this, that my energetic vibration as a human with my ego and my thinking mind, let's say it's on an FM radio station. If I want to connect to the spirit world, I have to tune in to an AM radio station. That AM station can't have any fear, any doubt, or any ego involved. This is a completely soul connection, heart, all my spiritual perception open. The minute my fear, ego, or doubt come in and say, you're doing it wrong, nobody's going to come, that's not right, I lost the connection, I'm back in FM. So it requires you Mm -hmm. to stay in AM radio station. And what's really kind of cool is that Mm -hmm. as a therapist, it's like meditating several hours a day because... You're present. Your ego is not a part of the session. If you do get triggered by something, you know how to check it. You move it back. You you take it to your supervisor and process that. But you're in this connection with this person, supporting them from your higher self. So I had so much practice with that stillness of my mind because let's be honest, my mind is not still. When I'm not in session, it's bouncing all over the place. But the beauty of the, being a therapist mm-hmm. trained my mind to be still. Mm-hmm. So when I became a medium, I found it much easier to tune into that AM station because wow. I was used to my ego having to take a step back. That's such a great analogy to, to use the, the AM, FM, you know, station. I, I, I find that that when you first shared that with me, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. That's such a great way of putting it. Yeah, and FM is full Mm -hmm. of the thinking mind and fear. Mm -hmm. I mean, as humans, fear runs so much of our lives. Mm -hmm. But in the AM station, it is just love. Mm -hmm. And I can always tell the degree I'm surrendered by the amount of love I experience when I connect. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is so breathtaking, like I'm in tears. I'm in such awe of the light on the other side, the light of the divine. And then there's sometimes when I can tell I'm just not quite as open, I can still feel the love, but I can definitely feel the degree of surrender by the amount of love my body takes in. Oh my God, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. One thing that you mentioned a little earlier was the soul to soul connection. So I want Mm. to ask you, because I'm sure you've had this as well, where people just come and they sit in front of you and they're like, okay, well, it's kind of like they're saying, wow me, you know, convince (laughs) me that this is real. Tell me all of the things. What is soul to soul connection? And how important is it to the reading? It's the most, it's the most important because (laughs) it's, you're not there to please the human. The human has a need and that's why they come to you. But it's not my job necessarily to meet the human's need because the human has all sorts of ideas about what they think they need to know that might make their life better. Right. That soul connection, the soul tells me what needs to be healed. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I have to, I hear what the human is there for. And often I start off my readings, I don't ask a lot of questions. I mean, if they want to tell me why they're there, that's great. But often I just guide them through a meditation I connect soul to soul. I connect my soul to the spirit world. Mm -hmm. But immediately when I connect to a person's soul, I mean, it's been over the past year, I get these incredible reflections of their essence. 
And they're all these different pictures. And I'm not joking when I say I've never seen the same one, but some of them are unicorns and rainbows. Some of them are like an artist painted the sky. Some of them are the smoothest emerald with sharp edges you could ever see. I've seen jade stones. I've seen an ocean. I've seen sunsets. I mean, everyone has a different one. I, and that's my favorite part. And that's the part that brings me to tears. And usually the human gets to that place too. It's like this beautiful space because it's almost as if the human can't help but surrender to the reflection their soul gives them. It makes me want to cry just talking about it because Mm -hmm. how often in this human life do we forget that we are loved? Do we forget that we are beautiful, that at our essence we're good? I mean, most of us come into the world and they say, you're a sinner, you're bad, and you have to spend your whole life becoming good. (laughs) What if we were told? Right? What if we were told from the moment we were born that we were good, that we were love? Can you imagine what the world would be like? So I have this opportunity to reflect back cotton candy pink skies. And it's just, it's amazing. And then the picture shifts. And if someone from the other side doesn't come through immediately, the soul then tells me something that that person's working on, that they're trying to heal or that they're going to be working on healing. Sometimes it's a relationship, sometimes it's to a person, sometimes it's a relationship to their work, sometimes it's part of their healing, their trauma, or their wounding, and the soul gets very specific. And I can tell you, I've never had anyone say, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I honestly haven't. I'll be like, do you understand this? They're like, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And they're like, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Actually, I lied. I had one person who said no through the whole session, and I refunded her money. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But but what I'm saying is, I will say about the soul-to-soul connection, just like being open in astrology, if someone comes to you and they say they want guidance, but they really don't, their human is in the way, the connection is hard. It makes connecting to the spirit world. It makes connecting to their soul hard. It's like pulling teeth. The energy is so heavy and slow. So when a reading goes off the rails, and I learned this from my teacher, Tony Stockwell, and he's amazing. But he was like, if the reading was bad, that's not you. That's the human. He's like, the human doesn't want to be there or isn't really open to it. And he's so right. The people that have the highest need are the most curious and excited. Those readings right. are like fireworks. Absolutely. That soul to soul connection, it's, it's, it's everything. It's everything. It's what it's everything. gives us the insight that you need. It's essentially us translating your soul. Yes. This isn't coming from us. This isn't even like, this isn't even coming from Ashley. Yes. This is coming from Ashley's soul. Yes. And the soul will tell me like the cycles in astrology, the soul tells me what cycle of healing they're in. Oh my God. And it will also show me what needs to be healed for them to move through that cycle or heal that cycle or stop having that cycle of lessons unlearned. The soul will say this, it won't tell you how to do it. But it'll say, you know, your relationship with your father needs to be addressed, whether that means you need to make a decision to end that relationship or you need to process those feelings or work on whatever that is for that person. But the soul says Mm. the relationship with the father is keeping that person stuck or they're pretending they like their work, but they hate their work and they don't believe they deserve anything better. And so what's really cool is the soul can tell me all these things or a spirit can come through. And then as a therapist, I can help that person integrate them, all the information and hold the space for the feelings that arise, right. which can be right. really intense. Because it tends to happen when, when people feel truly seen, especially if like it's, it's for the first time or yeah. 
Uh, they just haven't felt seen in that way in a long time. Something really genuine happens in that space. And, and you can tell, you can't fake that. I can't fake the beauty no. I experience and witnessing another person's soul. You know, you can't fake that connection. When it comes to the spirit world and it comes to the soul, what happens to the soul in the spirit world, whether in this lifetime or whether it has transitioned? From your experience, what happens in that space? So this is interesting. You know, when I'm doing soul to soul, like a psychic connection, that's so visceral and obvious to me that I, that to me that's evidence. But when we're talking about the spirit world, I have to say, I won't know till I die what really goes on there, you know, 100% because I've never experienced it. But I will share with you what I've come to understand. So I believe from what I understand mm -hmm. and from what I've experienced from the loved ones that have come through from these beautiful souls is that when we die, we shed our human body and the energy of our soul goes on and it moves to the spirit world. Now in, in the spirit world, mm -hmm. when a person comes through, what's interesting is because their soul holds all their experiences, they will tell me who they were to mm -hmm. the person I'm reading. So they'll tell me, they'll give me very human descriptions of who they were. But when I look closer to see who they are now, it's very different. Their energy, their light, they're doing all kinds of things over there. I think one of the things that they are doing is reflecting on their life. I feel like they have like a life review and they're going through and they're seeing, you know, did I, did I evolve? Did I move through those things? And I do believe we come back and experience oh the things that we haven't healed. I feel like we come back to do that again. I also believe that we have this human experience so that we can experience that which we are not. Because the spirit world is love, but I feel like for whatever reason, part of our evolution or the soul's evolution is to experience the opposite of love in many ways. And then it's a process of remembering. Each life is a process of remembering, evolving, healing. So I'll have people that come through who have passed and they will take responsibility for some pretty terrible things that they've done to the person I'm reading for. Sometimes they come through and just celebrate how much they love them. They tell me, my grandmother came through to a friend of mine. He was reading me the other day and she told him the type of cookies my kids were baking downstairs for Christmas. It was such a lovely moment because I wanted to hear from her so bad and I'd been missing her, just missing hearing from her in that way. Mm -hmm. And then she described to him the cookies. It was amazing. So I think they're doing a lot of things. Sometimes I see souls dancing. Sometimes I saw a boy who was a paraplegic in life and he died. I don't remember how old he died, but his mother, I was reading for his mother and he died when he was, he was still maybe not even in his teens, but he showed up in the spirit world wearing these tiny white shoes and white socks. And it was such a specific image. And I said to her, there's a boy in spirit. He's skateboarding. He's running across the mountains. He's in the sky. He's surfing. He's doing everything he possibly can. And I said, but he's wearing these little white shoes and white socks. And she said, oh my God, that's my son. He was a paraplegic. And because he couldn't walk, I bought him the same, just basic white shoes and white socks because, you know, he didn't have a preference. And so two things happened. He showed me the white socks, which she would recognize without a doubt. But he also showed me, hey, mom in spirit, I've got legs, my arms, my legs, everything's working and I'm having the best time. It was, it was amazing. Oh my God. That makes me emotional. Just listening to you talk about it. Yeah. And I'll be honest, when you see children in spirit, you're like, Oh, 
And so when I read her, I think it was part of a class I was in and we were practicing on each other. And so I didn't know what I was going to get. And I just saw this boy and I started talking. But it's really powerful when children come through. Yeah, it's really powerful. I mean, you, because the soul enters the body when the heart starts beating, I've had someone who miscarried a baby. I've had that baby come through. Oh my God. Even though that baby was miscarried, I think between six and seven weeks. And she had a celebration or like an honoring of that baby that she lost. And she thought it had been her fault. And that soul came through and said, I saw the celebration you did for me. And that wasn't your fault. Oh my. It's mind blowing. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe too much. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, it's so powerful. It is right? powerful. When we, when we are open to experiences like this, whether we practice to experience them ourselves, which by the way, we can. Yes. It's in all of us. Do I believe that some people are more inclined for these types of things to come more easily to them? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But do I believe that we can all get to this? Yes, I do. So what's your take on that? What's your take on those gifts that you and I both agree are in all of us? Well, what's really interesting is it wasn't until maybe a year ago that I understood that. So when I was studying to be a medium and I was reading all these books by mediums, often it said in the book, and I'll explain this, all mediums are psychic, which means all mediums can see the other side and connect soul to soul, but not all psychics are mediums. So it was kind of this elitist, like, so psychics could only connect soul to soul, but not to the spirit world. So it was touted as these special spiritual gifts. Um, and I have to be honest, I bought into feeling special for a while. It was the thing that I was like, finally, I feel special. I didn't feel special as a kid. Then I started reading people and working with my clients and just tapping in. And I realized, no, everyone's intuitive. Everyone is psychic. And then I came to think, well, if everyone's psychic and they can connect soul to soul to the incarnate beings, why wouldn't they be able to connect soul to soul to a discarnate being? We're all connected to the same energy. And then I just thought, what a crock of shit. <laughs> We've been sold this bill of goods. <laughs> We've forgotten that we all have these innate spiritual gifts. And then it hit me last fall. I just thought... So Millie and I are part of a circle that meet on Tuesdays and we have a couple other people in a, in a larger community and it's this safe, beautiful community where we meet, we practice intuition, we practice mediumship, we practice energy healing and it's one of the most loving, safe spaces I've ever been in and that you can be that vulnerable and that real and it occurred to me last year, I thought, what if there were circles all over the world? What kind of world would we live in? And that's when I decided I wanted to teach spiritual mediumship, which is really the practice of, yes, how to connect to the other side, how to read people's soul to soul, but also how to connect to our own soul. And I thought if every class I taught, they formed a circle, this was really my intention. I know it's kind of a big idea, but I was like, if every class I taught formed a circle, what would that, ha what would happen? And if, if we could exactly. awaken these gifts and for people or they could awaken in the process and see i mean i've had people tell me their life and i'm not saying this because of me but because of the spiritual connection their life is different because they feel less alone they're connected to their soul they're listening to their soul they're connected to the energy of spirit i mean for me the world is a magical place because everything feels synchronistic and 
like I'm not alone. I look at the birds and I'm just like, the world is a completely different place since I started my spiritual practice. But I just feel like that's why I named it Finding Magic in the Mundane, because I was like, the spirituality has made the world magical, at least for me. And now I'm seeing it feel magical for other people. Right. So how do you guide others to trust what comes up for them, to trust those intuitive hits? Because I know that when I found you and started in that group that you mentioned where we practice, that's, that's where I learned to, to trust that which comes up. And, and now I, I fully trust it. Right. So how do we, how do we explain that to, cause this is what I get a lot, right? I have so many clients that sit in front of me that I can see how they are much more inclined to be really, really sensitive, mm-hmm. right? Really just, just intuitive really easily. Right. But I can also understand how our head gets in the way. How do we decipher? How do we distinguish between the voice in our head and the voice of our soul? So how do you guide others in that way? Well, it's the way I learned to trust. I had to practice on other people. And that's that's why when people take my class, I the first thing they learn is a soul-to-soul reading because mm-hmm. they can't deny that connection. Because they get something every time they connect to someone's soul, they get information. It's right there in front of them. And so my, my class is built around having people practice on each other to experience this. And then I also ask them to do work or not work, I hate that word, to practice outside of the class. But as they build this faith mm-hmm. and trust in themselves, and I also have them, it's a small group of like six people but they do it in front of each other. They do breakout rooms, but we all support and guide each other. So there's this powerful thing of learning to trust yourself. And then they can take that into their life. And and I guess the other thing is when you're reading soul to soul, I teach them how intuition comes to them. So it comes through intuitive impressions in your body. You might hear something like we were talking about the Claire's earlier. Right. So when they're reading, they're getting this information that's coming through to them. They're learning their intuitive vocabulary. They're learning how their soul or intuition or spirit communicates with them, how the other side communicates with them. It's a very visceral experience. And they're building that muscle. So when they're on their own, they'll hear something and they'll know, oh, that's my intuition. I had a guy come into my class the other day and he was saying he was getting all these intuitive hits. But when he practiced, he was like, oh, wow. He goes, those were much quieter words. And I think what he realized was the difference between maybe his ego talking really loud at him versus the still, it's not quiet like in a whisper, but it's a still powerful, wise voice, but it comes from the soul. Oh my God. I remember when I first was able to distinguish that, I got so excited. I'm like, that's it. That's it. (laughs) And and I remember when I started practicing with you and, and our group, I was like, so first of all, I didn't have my charts in front of me, right? Because that, that's like the safety right. blanket, right? So I'm like, I'm just supposed to, and even for me, for someone, you know, I explained all of the stuff that I've been through my whole life. It was like, I'm just supposed to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And and at first I thought, so what am I supposed to guess what you're <laughs> you know, thinking or feeling or and then I, and that was the ego. I realized that was right. the ego. And I said, okay, I have to, I quickly realized, first of all, don't be a jerk. Just 
easing to this. <laughs> There's a fear. There's a fear that I didn't even realize was there for me, but there's a fear that we have of knowing that much. Mm. Have you ever have you ever experienced that? No, I haven't. So I think that's really interesting. I thought you were going to say there's a fear of getting it wrong. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was all about that. Didn't want to make any mistakes. But I think some people listening could definitely relate to that. Like, tell me more about that. So first of all, yeah, there is the fear of, of getting it wrong. Like, what if I get it wrong? I'm, you know, we're, we're so... Uh, getting something wrong is such a bad thing. Like we're awful human beings, <laughs> but there is something about, I don't, I, I'm not even sure that I can fully verbalize it. And this is something that came up for me many years ago as well. If I, if I know that much, how do I hold it? Like, what do I do with that? Mm. And I think that the ego, that's the ego trying to, again, do something, just do something. Mm. Right. When essentially, and, and this doesn't, this doesn't really happen anymore with me. It's, it's information and I hold it, mm -hmm. you know, but there's something really powerful about being able to connect in that way Yeah. that now, it, now it's not that I take it for granted because I don't, but it's like, I get it. I, I, I can understand how that, how that can feel like magic in that what am I going to see? What am I seeing? Whoa. What does this mean? How do I handle it? How do I express it? How do I deliver it? I don't, I don't know if, if any of that resonates with you and your experience. I think me wanting to understand people my whole life and wanting to know what was behind the persona. I mean, my parents, it was just a mystery. You know, it was such a mystery. I wanted to know what is going on here. I wanted answers. So I've always been kind of a seeker to understand people more on a deeper level. And again, it was a level of safety for me. If I know what you're about, then I know where I stand, if I'm safe, that kind of thing. And I think my work as a therapist has been taught me to hold that kind of information. You know, you're holding the darkest parts of somebody and their trauma or their secrets. Mm -hmm. And so when I see things not only does it allow me, like you said, when you're looking at an astrology chart, I can have more compassion for that person. Right. But this is where integrity comes in. My intention is to always support and heal. My ego is not a part of this work. It's, it's sacred work. Like It makes me emotional to think about how beautiful and lovely this work is, but also how easily it can be disrespected. It's also a very joyful practice. But if the wrong person is intuitive or gets hold of the wrong information and misuses it. I mean, my mom who is mentally ill, I think she's also very psychic. And I think she would know people's weaknesses and use that against them to hurt them. And I, so I think about that information and it depends on the holder of the information. It right. depends on their intention. Yeah. So knowing my intention and my own integrity, I don't worry about it at all. Right. Right. I think in, I think that it, at first it just felt like like I wasn't good enough to know that much, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't feel special enough to be able to have that kind of capacity. It's really twisted. Now that I look at it, it's kind of silly. But <laughs> No, I think it's really normal. I can't tell you how many people say, I can't do that. I can't <laughs> do that. You know, I don't have those gifts, you know, and right. I kind of the spiritual gifts thing, you know, I say that, but we all have them. But I think that's really normal. I think we've, there's, I think it's also like any other 
area, there's can be an elitist group that puts mm -hmm. people on a pedestal in the way they talk about it and can talk down to people. Mm -hmm. And I think you can easily come into these spaces and think you're not as talented or connected. And that's just not true. Right. No, it's not. It's really not. Everyone has this inside of them because yes. we are all we are all at our core divine energy. We're all love and light. Mm. And to acknowledge that is so humbling mm. and then also so empowering. Because like you said, can you imagine a world where everyone recognizes this about themselves? I mean, or, or a world where we were spending every Tuesday night, all of us <laughs> connecting to other people's souls. I mean, we're not interacting from an ego place. We're connecting in the energy of the divine, connecting to the love, the spirit world, the soul connection. I mean, can you imagine how lit up this place would be? Absolutely. It would be pretty it cool. Would, it would change everything. It, it would change, change everything. Everything. Humans would treat each other so much more kindly. We would not be mistreating the earth. Animals would not be hurt or abused. I mean... It goes down to food. Yep. It goes down to everything. Yep. I believe it. I think poverty would end. I think uh, wars would cease. I, I do. I genuinely do. Yeah, I do too. What would you suggest to others who are, you know, who aren't really familiar with this or who are interested or thinking about getting a reading? How do you reframe your expectations? How can someone reframe their expectations to the answers that they think they want to receive versus, again, what their soul actually wants to communicate. Well, that's really interesting because it also goes along with the mediumistic reading. I remember when I got my first mediumistic reading um, and my grandparents came through, I wanted them to come through in the way I wanted them to come through, mm -hmm. which meant they were like, we're so sorry we didn't save you from your mother. <laughs> we love you so much. Like I just imagine they would say all these things, but what they came through is – First of all, giving the medium evidence of who they were, which were things like my grandfather's a cotton farmer. They were from Texas. You know, my grandmother thinks she wore. And then they gave me messages. Mm -hmm. But it was very different than what I expected because I wanted my grandmother to be in the room. Mm -hmm. And so when I was able to reframe that expectation and to understand that the evidence that they're there and they're describing themselves so I know it's them, and then their message and their messages, while more subtle in the sense of not is emotive because the medium's the one translating, mm -hmm. um, their messages were so powerful. So I, I say that story because I think it is important to reframe our expectations because we want to relive the person that they were. And in many ways, my job is to help you do that. But it's so important to stay open and curious that we, one, establish I have the person you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know this by how I describe them and then make room for the message and also make room for people to come through that you, I knew a girl in seventh grade who passed in seventh grade. She's come through twice. I barely knew her. Um, oh my God. Sometimes the people that come through, they just want to tell you, you were had an impact on my life. I need to tell you this. And sometimes they're the person you least expect. And it's also my job to help facilitate a connection between the ones you want to talk to and, and connect to. As far as a soul-to-soul -soul reading, I think it's so important to stay open to not getting fixated on details, but be open to the process. Be open to the inspiration, to what the soul is trying to inspire in you 
to evolve to or to heal from, to be open to the reflection you get so that you don't miss out. And then to receive the guidance and support you're getting from your own soul that's either cheering you on. Yeah, you're on the right track. This is amazing. You know, the soul will say that you're doing Mm -hmm. it. You're doing everything along the way that you that I've communicated to you. Mm -hmm. You're in alignment. Mm -hmm. But to understand that it comes in in an intuitive vocabulary and I'm translating that vocabulary. So I'm getting impressions in my body and I'm translating those impressions so that they make sense to you. Just like you're translating a chart so that it makes sense to a person. And I too pick up on how a person can receive communication. So I work with the ego and the soul Mm -hmm. to make sure I get the right message through. As humans, like our human mind is so fixated, right? On obtaining tangible proof, like an immediate answer, right? Because we're so used to picking up our phone, Googling something and knowing what something means immediately. So true. And what we forget, and I genuinely believe that we forget, is that life doesn't really work that way. Like our our souls certainly don't, you know? especially spirits, especially the spirit world, especially the soul. It's, it doesn't speak in concrete terms like that. It speaks in numbers and colors and signs and music in certain conversations. I had a, I had a tarot reading by a woman named Sushila. She is who I do the monthly forecast with on YouTube. And she was the first person to really point out when you get these intuitive hits and you're delivering this message to someone, don't just assume that these messages are just for the people that you're working with. Some of these messages Mm. are also for you. Yes, always. Right. Well, maybe not always, but often. Right. But our minds are so used to compartmentalizing and, Mm. and, and can be so tunnel vision a lot of times that we miss out on so much. We really do. You said an interesting thing about the numbers, colors, and signs. And that's something I didn't mention is that intuitive vocabulary, it does speak in numbers and pictures, Mm -hmm. words, colors, sensations, feelings. And each of us has our our own intuitive vocabulary that's important for us to interpret and understand and build a relationship to. For you, you you have children. And and what I've noticed is that children tend to communicate in the same way, especially yeah. as they're, you know, when they're young and they're learning different words, they don't know what to call certain things sometimes because they just don't know. But they have a way of communicating something. Obviously, somewhere along the line, we're conditioned to forget to communicate in that way because we need to communicate clearly and concisely. And And I understand that. We live in a human world. We're adults. I get that. But how is that experience, if it's okay to ask with you and your children and, and, and communicating in language like that? Well, it's quicker. It's so much more direct. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more trusting of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. My children are homeschooled. So I think about this a lot about how we're taught to process information or how we're taught to maybe memorize information instead of understanding it. And I'm not sure where I'm going this, but I'm trying to Mm -hmm. see. But I feel like what's been really beautiful about watching my children in the situation they're in is I feel like they've maintained integrity of the way they process the world. Mm -hmm. It's very much each their own. Mm -hmm. And learning to trust themselves and 
not having a larger mass group of people to follow or to conform to. I mean, they have friends and groups, so but it's it's a really unique thing to see them stand up for their connection to themselves and what they know about themselves and what they know about their bodies and what their bodies are communicating or their hearts communicating. The ideas sometimes aren't fully fleshed out, but right. you can see that there's trust there. They're both really sensitive. I know for sure my oldest is just naturally an empath. Like he's a sponge like me. And he has said that he's seen people from the other side, which has been interesting. So I just ask questions. He hasn't gone very far with it, but I ask questions. I support him. He loves crystals. He loves energy work. My youngest, like if I put my hands on him, he's like, too much, too much. But my oldest is looking for so much grounding that he loves the energy work. But it's just so cool to see the way we talk about spirit and we talk about what they believe. We talk about Christianity. We talk about all belief systems. Mm-hmm. But they each have their own unique way. It's fascinating. Well, and the reason that I ask that question is that I, I've found, even through my practice, is that children are naturally so curious. And you have to mm-hmm. go into this with a sense of childlike curiosity in order to really connect. Yes. You know, I, I feel like, at least for me, that's been a part of my surrendering. Yes. And, and so, and so Child, childlike curiosity and trust. Absolutely. And, yeah. and children do that. They naturally have that childlike curiosity, obviously, but they trust it, mm-hmm. which is just so, so, so fascinating. So that's why I asked that question. And, and I probably didn't ask it very clearly, but that's where I was going with that. So thank you for, for sharing that. How do you feel that this work? has helped your own healing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Well, you know, as I've said, mediumship because I love it so much and I love connecting to the spirit world and I love doing readings. It requires and I don't like the word discipline because I like to rebel against words like that, but it requires a showing up. Basically, if you want the other side to show up for you, it's a relationship like any other relationship. You have to show up for it. If you want to feel the energy of spirit, you need to make yourself available to that. So it's been a process where I show up regularly. You know, I don't communicate with the other side regularly, regularly, but I do communicate with spirit and my own soul every day. And to me, that's, you know, paying attention to my heart space, making sure that I'm processing any pain that might be getting in the way of my soul connection because, you know, the heart is the voice of the soul. And if we're not processing our pain, then that connection can get really cloudy or muddled. So it's really encouraged me to not only get more still, and I don't mean stillness like sitting meditation because I don't do that. I mean stillness and getting out of my head and getting into my heart space. And what's also interesting is I have a pretty, you know, severe, uh, severe, bad PTSD. I've got some PTSD. Um, I grew up in an environment that was dangerous. For 26 years of my life, I felt really unsafe. And now that I'm out of that relationship that made me feel so unsafe, I'm trying to figure out how safe enough I can feel in the world. And I've done a lot of therapy, and I think therapy and all these plant medicine, all these modalities, EMDR, they're so helpful. And I think a key component to healing trauma is spirituality. I don't know if there's science in that. But if I spend as much time as I spend in love instead of fear, it has to be recalibrating my brain. And I feel that and my nervous system. So what I've noticed is my spiritual practice 
it nudges me towards love and stillness, which I need to exercise those muscles so that I can feel safe enough in quotes to be in the world. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I think this is when we begin to realize I I can accept life as it is. I can accept life Mm -hmm. as it comes. I think that's when we stop resisting what's in front of us, resisting our our own hurt, our own pain. And really, again, not to overuse the word, but to just surrender to it. Mm-hmm. When we understand that there is a connection, there's a spiritual connection, like a connection to our higher self, right? With a capital S, a connection to our soul, whatever you want to call it. If we practice that long enough, I feel that's where we come to the conclusion. My soul needs this to evolve. My soul kind of <laughs> needs this lesson. It kind of asked for this lesson. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Because I can imagine that that might rub people the, the wrong way. Not like, oh, you asked for that, like you had that coming. But when we look at it from a different perspective, from a spiritual perspective, that the soul is here to evolve through a series of different lessons. What do you make of that? I agree. I think it moves us from a victim position to an empowered position because there's understanding. And I do believe, and this may rub people the wrong way, but I believe we have soul contracts. And I think we come into different lifetimes with different people and they play different roles. And I I was probably a complete mm-hmm. asshole in another life. In <laughs> this life, I'm playing a different role. You know, I think, like I said, we're here to experience that which we are not. And I've really sat with these questions a lot. It's not like I just bought into what somebody told me. Right. And what I've found is it's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only (laughs) thing that makes sense about why we're here. Otherwise, one time around and we're done. And some of us blow it out of the park or hit it out of the park. (laughs) And some of us just like (laughs) don't. I mean, it it just seems kind of like, well, what's the purpose? And spirituality gives this life a purpose. And it helps me understand that things do happen for a reason. And it actually brings me peace. Mm -hmm. It helps me, like we talked about last time, reconcile pain. And it also helps me have compassion for like my mother, for example. I I understand this life, that's a tough role. I don't want to be in the same house as her, Mm -hmm. but she's playing a tough role. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's important what you said that I didn't just buy into something that someone told me. Yeah, I feel it's imperative (laughs) to really be intentional, assuming that what the person wants is some kind of greater understanding as to why is all of this shit happening to me. Yeah, It's imperative to create and cultivate a relationship with the divine, with spirit. It's imperative because it doesn't matter what you and I say here with what we know, with how long we've been doing what we do, with as many people as we've worked with, or other people who may have more experience than us. It doesn't matter what anyone says, that spiritual connection, that relationship is yours and yours alone. Right. It is only through your own direct experience of what that is that these words can genuinely resonate with you to the core. Right. We Absolutely. speak of the things we speak of with such passion because they have been experiences that have come to us when we are just all right what are you asking of me i am Mm -hmm. i'm done like i surrender what is it as soon as you do that you begin to experience this and and so is it through through guidance and through someone who has practiced this and and who 
knows more that you can cultivate this connection? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can it, can a connection with spirit be created on your own? Sure. I think it can, but I think we live in a world that is so distracted that for us to learn to, again, distinguish the mental chatter from the actual voice of our soul, we need some assistance. But to really recognize what that is, it is, is a visceral experience. It is. And it is so personal. And I agree with you that although sometimes I'm on my needs, just like again, here we go again with evolving expansion, another lesson. But the suffering is nothing like it used to be. I now understand it. Like I said, it has purpose. I understand that, oh, I'm in pain. I'm going to evolve. There's something on the other side of this where before it just felt like this sucks and there's no purpose to it and I don't know how to get out. What would you say to the skeptic? (laughs) I would say give it a shot. Get a reading, you know, get a couple of readings from different people. See what resonates with you. Get an astrology reading. I mean, astrology is so validating Mm -hmm. of who we are. And I think an intuitive reading is validating. They're, They're different though. Right. But I would say try these on, see how they feel. But there's something undeniable about it if you're willing to be curious. But if you're going to go at it with a big no, nothing's going to change. There's nothing that will stop evolution and curiosity and creativity more than resistance and no. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) I really appreciate and find fascinating when I have clients who's, you know, who have gotten like an intuitive reading, a psychic reading, a tarot reading, and then they come and get an astrology reading and the messages, you know, they, they coincide or they tend to line up, you know, it's like, that's, that's freaking great. First of all, amazing that you're so curious, especially through different means. But I realize why the human mind needs so much proof, if you will. Right. But when they get enough of it, it's, it's when it really begins to become real. And if that's what you need to do, then please do it so that you can really begin to see, especially if the same messages are getting delivered through a numerology reading, a tarot reading, a psychic reading, and then an astrology reading. Well, then you realize, oh, my my soul keeps saying the same thing. <laughs> it's like, I, I told you this. I told you this last week through numbers. I told you this last week through tarot cards. Okay, you need me to tell you through astrology? Fine. And that's what these tools yes. are here for, to translate what our soul needs the human to hear so then that hopefully the human will assess and decide how to move forward in accordance to the soul's message and so when we wonder how do i don't know how to get in touch with my intuition i don't know when my soul is speaking be patient be open be curious get different kinds of readings and for and more than anything remember that this is a language that exists within you innately and it's a relationship that requires you to show up for it exactly exactly i love this this is so fascinating i know to talk about. <laughs> i feel like i could go on and on and on <laughs> i, I can this too was, it's such a good topic it is i'm wondering you know if people have questions feel free to get in touch with us via Instagram and ask us your questions. Um, because like I said, I think this is something that we can continue talking on and on about. But if there's anything that anyone takes away from this, it is that the same way that Ashley and I just happen to do this for a living, 
because we do. I personally believe that there is a psychic intuitive astrologer in everyone, in everyone. Me too. And, and this isn't something that is special to a particular someone. No, it's here for all of us. And this is why we want to teach it and we want to show it because it is tools like these that if more and more people get in touch with, these are the things that can change the world. And I honestly wholeheartedly believe that. I do too. It's the only thing I think that will ultimately is moving forward with love. Yeah. And a deeper understanding of why we're here and working with our intuition and our soul and connecting to each other in this way. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for this conversation. Absolutely. It was so fun. It was. It really was. To everyone out there, may this information be of help to you. Um, Help us spread the word. Tell your friends about the podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Yeah, see you next time. Have a good one.